Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 385 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger. It is, of course, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Going to dive straight into the review part of the show. I've said it a million times before, but I think it's going to be a short show, a shorter show than normal. Um, can't wait for the preview part, to be honest with you, because I think there's a couple of interesting fights to mention. But before we get into all that, let's dive straight into the review part. We're going to start here with a card that took place at the Hilton Hotel Porta Masso in Malta. Over here, friend of the show, friend of Eddie's, Dave Allen returned to winning ways. 21-5 and with two draws, a first-round TKO there against Michael Bassett, who's now 2-9. and nine. Um Good stuff for Dave Allen. Moving out now to the Armory in Minneapolis, Minnesota, USA. This one was live on Showtime. Um, Going to start with the undercard, a win on points for Jamal James, now 28-2. and two, A unanimous decision there over 10 against Alberto Palmetta, who's now 18-2. and two. Um, what else did we have? Elvis Rodriguez moved to 14-1 and with a draw. He was able to beat by majority decision Joseph Adorno, now 17-2 and with two draws. Adorno down twice in the fight. Terrible uh, scorecard from whichever judge had it a draw. Um, clear winner was Elvis Rodriguez. And both, guy, both guys were, were, you know, relatively big punchers. I actually thought that that one could have... Ended inside the distance, but no, Adorno down twice, but does get up, does hear the final bell. Um, there was a bit of an upset on the card as well. Quadratilo Abdukukurov, now 18-2. and two. He lost a unanimous decision over over 10 rounds at welterweight to Vaishawn Owens, who is now 14-3. and three. Um, Vaishawn Owens, um, you know, is a big puncher. I thought that if he is to spring some kind of an upset, maybe he'd make Abdukukurov walk onto a punch or something like that, and he'd hurt him, maybe drop him. But um, no, you know, he wins wide in the end, over 10 rounds. That was quite unexpected um, for him to win on points. And the main event, Subriel Matias, now 19-1. and He's the new IBF World Super Lightweight Champion. The belt was, of course, vacant. Um, he was able to beat Jeremias Ponce uh, by fifth-round retirement. So Ponce didn't come out for round six. He loses his O. He's now... 30 and 1. Matthias, like I say, 19 and 1. And his one loss is a loss he avenged by knockout. Um, yeah, so still he has that um, you know, that that uh knockout record intact as well. He can say he's knocked out everyone he's faced, which is great really for a guy at 140. You don't you don't um see that too often. Um to be honest with you though, I knew it was gonna be a great fight. Forgot what night it was actually taking place on because of the whole Paul Fury stuff, and I missed it. So um unless you saw it, Eddie, I don't really have much to add. Again, I feel like I'm doing the listeners a disservice. Did you see any of it? No, no, I actually I missed it too. Uh, oh, yeah. a friend of mine told me it was on. I was out doing you know, doing some runs and stuff like that, I'd have the chance to see it. I wish I did though. No problem. I missed it as well. Um, again, sorry to the listeners there that neither of us saw the card. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it was a good one. I'm definitely going to have to go and check that out when I get a, uh, a piece of spare time. Um, moving out now then to the final card to mention at the Diria Arena in Diria, Saudi Arabia over here. Um, it was live on BT Sport over here. I think it was on ESPN pay-per-view as well in the in the States. Um 
Yeah, a fighter called Badr Samreen was able to move to 8-0. He's got, I think, 7 KOs. A first-round TKO against Virial Simeon, who's now 23-10. and 10. Um, There was a bet that I quite liked the look of with this with this fighter, um, Samreen. And I think it was for the fight to at least go into round 4. Because I knew that he'd probably get Simeon out of there, but... You know, Simeon usually takes him a few rounds to be to be got out of there. You know, um, he went three rounds with Gary Cully, went four rounds with Zelfa Barrett, five rounds with Harlem Eubank, four rounds with Samuel Molina, um, obviously went the distance with Scott Quigg and Lee Selby, got knocked out in one round by Shakur Stevenson, but that's the only time he's, you know, been been took out within four rounds other than that. So there was a bet that the fight would go into the fourth round, and you could more than double your money. I thought it was a really smart bet, but Samreen gets the TKO in the first round. I think that's it for Simeon. I don't really want to see him again. Um, moving up the card once again, Ilunga Makabu, Eddie. I'm going to give my two pence first. Um, yeah, now... 29 and 3 he loses his WBC cruiserweight world title he was down in round 4 he was down in round 11 Badu Jack now unbelievably 28 and 3 with three draws he's the new cruiserweight world champion um he's done that now uh you know across three weight classes from 168 right up to uh to the cruiserweight limit which is just incredible for a guy to have done that at 39 years of age um yeah, I mean, as as I said on last week's show, Makabu was a big favourite, um, you know, going into the fight. And I was looking at the the betting during the fight. And, you know, obviously the fight starts, Makabu's the favourite. Then they kind of had it really close. Then Makabu went back to being a huge favourite. Then the knockdown happened and Jack become a huge favourite. Um, it was just weird, like, the, you know, the, the, the odds were just flying back and forth. But Jack obviously started the, the fight sharper in the first couple of rounds. But for me, Makabu, you know, just, I don't know, he just seemed like, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it. It just didn't seem like, I didn't really get what I expected to get from him, you know. He's, he's a big puncher, he didn't look like one. Um, I thought that he'd be, you know, the much stronger man, even though I think he was giving away a bit of height, which we also highlighted last week. I thought he'd be the stronger man. I thought he'd be able to grind Jack down over the 12 rounds. But he just turned up, looked tired, you know, from the first round. And it was such a disappointing show. And he was so slow, really sluggish. Um, I thought the first the first knockdown, there was a little bit of a leg tangle involved, but still, um, you know, it, it didn't make up for how awful Makabu was. And that 10-8 that round there um, that I've mentioned there in round four didn't really make a difference in the end. But look, I actually watched it, and I, I like Badu Jack. He's a friend of the show. I think this is an unbelievable accomplishment, Eddie, and I'm sure that you'll agree, but I I kind of watched the fight, and I was more disappointed with Makabu than impressed with Badu Jack. I don't know if you saw it the same, but like I say, credit to Jack to do what he's done, freeweight world champion at 39 years of age, but I don't see him, you know, remaining champion for too long. Um, I think someone like, I mean, God, could you imagine putting him in with someone like Lawrence Acoli, six foot five cruiserweight puncher? You know, no way. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a long reign, but it doesn't matter. He has once again entered the history books, freeweight world champion. Um, he's from Sweden as well, Badu Jack. I'm wondering, he's got to surely be Sweden's only ever freeweight world champion, surely. I don't know if I'm making that up on the spot, but that is incredible. Um, anyway, what did you think of it, Eddie? And being um, slightly older than Badu Jack... But, you know, you're probably sitting there thinking that if you trained hard enough, you probably could could make Cruiserweight. Was you watching it thinking, I don't know, what was you thinking? Was you impressed or was you thinking, if I lose a few more pounds, I could maybe take that belt off of Jack, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, you know, funny enough, going to be mad, maybe. <laughs> uh, I didn't actually see it. Oh. Like, I see parts. I see parts. All that build up. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I've seen parts. And, you know, I kind of understand why you say what you said about Makabu. Like, he didn't really give you anything 
that you would say, well, you know, he's, or, or, you know, for Jack to say, did I beat a good version of him? You understand what I'm saying? Like, it looks more like he was just the beneficiary of a, of a, of a, of a lackadaisical, I guess, lackadaisical, lackadaisical version of what Makabu is supposed to be. He's a puncher. He's a come forward guy. He's strong. He, you know, he, you know, he's more intense than what he showed. And, you know, he looked kind of domesticated, you know, in, in that fight. But, I mean, you got to give Jack credit. I mean, he did what he was supposed to do. He went in and got the stoppage, too, which I didn't necessarily think would happen. I thought if he would win, he would win by a decision. But he goes out and actually, you know, takes control and, and dominates and then stops him at the end. So, I mean, it's, you know, you, you got to give him credit. You know, I didn't think that was going to happen. You didn't either, Joe. So it's it's a crazy situation, especially, you know, him being the age he is, you know, uh, uh, being a little tiny bit younger than me. And and does that give me, uh, uh, you know, momentum to think that, you know, or confidence that possibly I can do that? Sure. I mean, I but I didn't I didn't need I didn't Jack to win that fight for that to happen to me. I still believe that I have enough in the tank to do that. But I would ha- it would definitely require a great deal of hard work, which I'm obviously planning to do. And now that Badu Jack is, uh, you know, a player, obviously a big player in the uh, cruiserweight division, that will be an interesting fight, you know, in the future. You know, I, you know I've always, uh, you know, wanted to at least give myself an opportunity to fight a cruiser and hopefully win a cruiserweight title if I didn't, didn't get the opportunity for heavyweight. So, yeah, this is this is an awesome uh, awesome thing to happen. You got to give credit to Badu Jack. You know what I mean? Like I said, three weight world champion. None of us picked him to win. A lot of the bookies didn't pick him to win. So you know, hey, we gotta we gotta you know we gotta eat that pie, and uh, you know give Jack his credit. Yeah, like I say, I still think it's amazing for Jack to have done what he's done at this age. Um, you know, no problem with that. I just felt I was a little bit more kind of underwhelmed by the performance of Makabu, who hadn't lost a fight since 2016. You know, I, I thought that this is a fantastic opportunity for him as well to get in with a big name like Badu Jack. Um, I thought he'd be massively motivated, and I thought that he would take this opportunity with both hands. It's, you know, a nice payday, I'd imagine, on that undercard, and he'd obviously get a chance to beat a really um, respected fighter when he had a massive a massive advantage over that fighter. And, um, yeah, it just wasn't to be, but whatever it is, what it is. Uh, moving on to the main event. I only saw the first six rounds of it, but I will I will discuss what I saw. Um, Jake Paul loses his O. He's now six and one. A split decision loss over eight rounds there to Tommy Fury. Now nine and O. Both men had points deducted for fouls. Fury down in the eighth and final round. Um, first round I gave to Fury. The second round I thought was a close one. The commentary were favoring Fury, but I actually quite liked how Jake would slip outside of Fury's jab. He'd fire a hook over the over the over the top of it, uh, be it left or right hook, and he was missing just slightly. They just whistle past the chin of uh, Tommy Fury, um, but yeah, the left hook in particular from Jake Paul looked really dangerous. I was quite surprised by that. Um, you know, it wasn't the straight shots that were impressing me. Round three, I gave to Jake Paul. I felt he was um, uh, kind of having Tommy Fury walk into hooks. Um, Fury as well, limited head movement. I think both guys had limited head movement, really. But Tommy Fury kept going back in straight lines. Um, round four, I thought was a clear Fury round. Jake Paul started to look real tired. Uh, my stream at this point was cutting out. I was trying to reload it. It was it was a bit hard to kind of follow punch for punch. Round five, I gave to Fury. Um, at least I, I was going to give it to Fury. Obviously, Jake Paul had a point, took off that round. Um, I felt it was a bit of a shocker, really, from the referee. And the referee, by the way, was poor all night, and a lot of people felt the same. But I felt that at that point in round five, if anyone deserved a point off, it would probably be Tommy. Not that I think anyone deserved to have one off, but... He kept telling Tommy off, and I was starting to wonder, what is this referee's problem? And then all of a sudden, it seemed like 
without warning, he takes one off of Jake, and I still am not too sure what it was for. I think it might have been holding or something, but um, again, my stream cut out a few times, but it seemed like he didn't give him a warning. I didn't see a warning. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I thought, wow, that's going to be huge on the scorecards there. And then round six, again, I gave to Tommy Fury. I think he landed a couple of Thunderbolt uppercuts, and Jake obviously showed a fantastic chin. Round seven, I pretty much didn't see any of it. And round eight, um, again, I saw a tiny bit of it where Tommy walked into a jab and got put down. Um, you know, there's been a lot of discussions about whether or not it was a slip or not. Obviously, a punch landed. Um, I think it was a genuine knockdown, but it wasn't one that I think is that significant at all because it clearly wasn't hurt and anyone can walk right into a jab and be put over without really being hurt. It, you know, it just knocks you off your balance. So um, that was what I thought of it. Um, I don't know what my final scorecard really was because, like I say, I didn't um, I didn't see the final two rounds in to like in uh, uh, in total. I, I missed those those two. I only saw little bits. Um, but yeah, I thought probably Fury would nick it, especially with. Um, uh, I was going to say with the point off, but like I say, I'm almost forgetting they both had a point off, and I'm not even sure which round Fury had his one took off. That's what I'm saying. I missed a bit of it. When I tuned back in, they said Tommy had a point took off as well. Then there was a 10-8 against him. So, I don't know. I'm not too sure exactly what happened, Eddie. Maybe you can clear it up, or if not, just tell me what you thought of the fight anyway. I, I don't really remember seeing uh, the point being taken off of Tommy. It might It might have happened. But I uh, seen the one off of Jake Paul, and I was wondering the same thing. Like, why is he taking points? And he was talking to him so much to me. He was like having conversations, like trying to tell him, you know, I don't know what it was. And I was like, why is he stopping him so much? Like, and it was like, it was just too much delay in action. You know what I mean? And I'm, I was wondering what the issue was with that. And then when he took the points off, I was like, yo, he's just, he seems like he's one of those guys who's trying to be a part of the show a little bit too much than, you know, a little more than just being the referee. And, you know, there's no jab to throw at him, but sometimes you get guys like that. They want to be a, they want to be part of the show or the show. But um, as far as, like, you know, the, how the fight went, it kind of went exactly as I, I would have expected. I mean, I, you know, I thought, you know, a lot of people wanted to, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, quick to dismiss Jake Paul and, you know, he's not a boxer, but then there's others that are, uh, you know, you know, saying he's, you know, the best and all that stuff. I think he's more somewhere in the middle. I think he's learning. I think he's getting better. Um, I think there's a lot more for him to learn. But he didn't look terrible. He didn't look, you know, awful like an awful boxer. He, he looked like a, you know, low-level, you know, professional fighter that's trying to get his stripes. There's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, and, and to be quite honest, so did Tommy. Tommy probably looked a little better. He was doing, you know, uh I, I, it's hard to say you could see the difference in experience, you know what I mean? Because there were things that Jake Paul did, you know, did a little better than Tommy. Some of the counter shots he was throwing was pretty good. I, I did like Tommy's uh, uh, right uppercut. You know, it looked, it looked good. He landed a, a couple good ones. Um, and at the end of the day, he, you know, he got by on the decision, which I thought he deserved. You know what I mean? It was a good, it was a good little scrap. It was, uh, you know, what it, it was. It's nice. To, it, it's good to see. You know, even, you know, it, it being an eight-rounder and something like that, which on most scales would be kind of small, turned out to be such a big thing. And you got to get that credit to uh, to Jake Paul. And don't get me wrong, Tommy Fury. Tommy got some, you know, he got some uh, some, some stuff behind him too. So, you know, I want to just say that it was all about Jake Paul. I mean, a lot of it is, but Tommy's got some fame too. And this did nothing but add to it. Um and, you know, being up, you know, seeing all of the, you know, the people on the side and then, you know, Tyson, you know, being there and some of the other fighters and, and other people being there. It's just, it was a great event that in Saudi Arabia, I'm pretty sure it grossed a lot of money for, you know, just in general. And it got a lot of eyes on it. And what I like about it most is that it got more interest in boxing. You know what I mean? Boxing as a whole. And once again, I got to give Jake Paul credit for that. He's been doing a lot with boxing. Uh, uh, obviously being wanting to be involved in it, wanting to actually really uh, be a part of it, but also, you know, promotion and, and getting interest in, you know, what's in the women's boxing too. So, you know, he can be villainized in a lot of ways because of how he talks and what he does, but I just think he's a good salesman. I think he, you know, he's, I think what he's doing
doing for boxing is great. And, you know, what he did for Tommy in this particular fight is great. Now he's, a, he's even more famous. He's going to be, you know, world-known now, you know, internationally known. So, um, you know, like I said, it, the fight itself was, you know, it was entertaining. You know what I mean? But we know what they are. We know we know what what fighters we were watching. I mean, most, you know, knowledgeable boxing, boxing people understood what we were watching. Um, but, you know, we can get behind and get excited about it and say, oh, you know, this is a hell of a thing they did, a hell of an event. And uh, just enjoy it as a fan. You know what I mean? We have to think about let's let's break it, break them down to a, to a you know every little thing and hold them to the super, to the highest uh, level of skill. But um, you know we, we we just enjoy it. I think we should just watch it like we did, watch it and enjoy the event and, and what it was. And it actually, that was was pretty entertaining. You know what I mean? Going back and forth, especially with the uh, with you know me knowing Tommy and, and just you know in general. I mean, for, I'm for I mean for everybody, you know what I mean? Not just me. I, I was speaking on myself, but not just me. But it was, uh, it was, it, it was an entertaining thing to watch. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm not against this. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a, I'm a boxing guy. You know what I mean? And, I, and yes, I do feel that you know there's a lot of fighters that are probably going to be overlooked. You know, for for uh, <laughs> for him to be rated. You know what I mean? Or at that point to try to become rated. Same thing for Tommy. But, you know, I like the I like what I like what is what is doing for boxing. So, you know what I mean? I'm not I'm I'm just gonna be a fan of it and hopefully it uh hopefully it gets better from here and like I said, it gets some more interest in some of the other fighters. Well there we go. There we go. That wraps up the review part of the show. Um the final thing for me to do in this part is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the 2020 Olympian and now undefeated pro. It is, of course, Mr. Troy Isley. Troy, welcome to the show, my man. Appreciate it, bro. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure, Troy. So it's the first time we've had you on, so welcome once again. Uh, you were you were obviously a successful amateur before turning pro. You then went back into the amateurs in order to compete in those Olympic Games. I wanted to ask you, what was your highlight moment of the amateurs, Troy? Making it to the Olympics or getting that bronze in the Worlds? I'm sure it's one of the two. <laughs> uh, getting, getting the bronze at Worlds, because I mean, I was young. I was 18. That was kind of like my first time on the scene. So everybody really didn't expect me to do that. So uh, probably get winning the bronze at Worlds. Yeah, a brilliant achievement. Um, you turned pro back in February of 2021, so uh, just over two years ago now. How were you finding it? And people talk about that infamous transition from amateur to pro. Was that a thing for you, Troy? Was I mean I ain't gonna lie it was kind of kind of hard I ain't gonna say it was kind of hard but uh, I got used to the pro style slowing things down so uh, it, it was kind of hard for me to make the transition back but I mean making the transition no nah, it, it was making the transition from amateur to pro wasn't hard but for making the transition back to amateur was a little hard yeah I can imagine and I noticed that you haven't boxed anyone as a pro yet um, who has a losing record. Is that something that's been yeah. intentional? Yes, 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 yes. You know, I wanna. I don't want to fight. You know, I ain't gonna say bums, but I don't want to fight anybody. You know, with losing records. You know, I want. I want to fight uh, people who's gonna who's gonna test me. You know, in some way. And uh, you know, I want to be ready for whenever you know my test comes. I want to be ready. So I want to fight. You know, strong competition right now. Excellent, man. It's refreshing to hear that. And you're listed as a middleweight, but I've got a feeling you can probably make 154. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, you're right. <laughs> you're currently 8-0. and Your next fight has been scheduled for April 8th in Newark on that Stevenson-Yoshino undercard. Um, am I right in saying you're mm -hmm. boxing Roy Barringer over 8? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, because yeah, Roy, I was going to say, you know, he's he's not a bad fighter. He's been given plenty of time to prepare. He can punch a bit. He's never been stopped. Another winning record. Do you feel he'll provide you with a good test, Troy? I feel like he would. I feel like he would. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm better than him, so I feel like my skills are, are better than his, but I feel like he'll pose a good challenge for me. And you're currently in training camp in Arizona. Forgive me for not knowing the answer to this question, but why Arizona, Troy? Uh, I'm out here uh, helping out 
me and Jesus helping each other out, but I'm getting good sparring with Jesus Ramos. Uh, he's fighting on the Joey Spence. I mean, on the, uh, he's fighting Joey Spence on the Taylor Plan and uh, Benavidez car. So, you know, why not, you know, come out here and get those good rounds. And then, you know, Arizona got altitude too. So, you know, get, you know, get those good rounds and, you know, get that good training in with my guy, uh, Jamie. And I'm guessing over the years, you mentioned the good work there. Um, I'm guessing over the years, you must have got some good work in with a lot of really talented fighters. Who are some of the biggest names yeah. that you've sparred with, Troy? Uh, Terrence Crawford, uh, Swift Jared Hurd, Shakur. That's all I can think of right now. I don't know why. Don't That's know a good why. trio. That's a good trio. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you happen to see the Jake Paul and uh, and Tommy Fury fight on the weekend? If so, I wanted to ask what are, what are what are they saying over there in America, like the boxers, about that? I mean, some of them got mixed results. Some of them are like, oh, he lost. Uh, most of them, most of most of what I talked to were saying he lost. They thought he lost. I thought he lost too, but uh, it's mixed results. Some people don't like it. Some people feel like uh, you know other boxers like like us like up and coming should be getting that type of attention but I mean you know people got their mixed results I don't really mind it I mean he's doing he's doing his thing you know I can't really hate on what he's doing and obviously your nickname is the Transformer um, I can imagine yeah. why but tell me why or tell the listeners why for those that don't know uh, it's, 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 it's like two reasons uh, one reason was like growing up uh, I would always get like overlooked or like so, like on a show, it would be like a show, like like I would fight on or something like that, and uh, I would just always get overlooked. So people would be like, "Oh, he's not going to do nothing," and then I fight, and everybody be excited. Like I just excite the crowd, everybody be standing up. You'll hear a lot of losing off. And then after the fight, everybody be coming up to me like, "Oh, like you're gonna be, you're gonna be, you know, to be nice when you turn pro, asking to get prisoners and stuff like that." And uh. And then also, like, I'm well-mannered. Uh, I don't really come off as disrespectful and stuff like that. So uh, people people, uh, people just overlook me a lot. I don't come off disrespectful. I don't give that type of uh, in-your-face, like, loud type of energy. So people think, you know, I'm soft or something like that. And then I get in there and they're like, damn, this nigga mean as fuck. So <laughs> hey, was like, we're going to call you a Transformer. I love that. I love that. And um, I do just want to point out, obviously, to the listeners that may not know this but obviously in the amateurs you beat some great fighters the likes of sebastian fundora devin haney couple others as well yeah 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 austin ammo williams yeah yeah be ammo yeah uh sebastian i mean sebastian ammo uh and uh i fought israel with Draymond. so i beat the, the cuban gold medalist from 2016 so yeah i, I got a got a pretty good amateur amateur pedigree fighting the best for sure Absolutely. And what are you making of the champions now? I'm going to say you're you're more kind of going towards 154, like when you get a title shot of some sort, I'm guessing? I mean, it's, I'm a little bit of both. Uh, honestly, I mean, if 160 is available, we can do 160. But, I mean, I feel like I'm going to go down to 154. Okay. But uh, I feel like I won the title at 54. I don't feel like I'll stay at 54 for too long. So, like, uh, I feel better at 60. So, I mean... I might go at go to fifty four for a title, but uh, I feel like one sixty is my my division to take over. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask because obviously at one fifty four you've only got the one champion. At one sixty you've got a few of them. Um, obviously you've got Alim Kanuli as well, also with uh, top rank. What's your thoughts on him as a champion? Who? I think I'm saying his name Who? wrong, but the the Kazakh. <laughs> oh, Janabek Han. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, Jennebeck. Jennebeck is cool. He's a puncher. Good, good fighter. Definitely uh, someone I would like to uh, get in the ring with in the future, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, test my skills out. Okay. And um, I, I like to ask this question to everyone that we speak to from overseas. Troy, I'm massively putting you on the spot here, but um, I'm going to ask it anyway. Favorite UK fighter, if you have one, Troy? Um, any era. It can be a guy that retired years ago, if you want. Prince Nazim. Oh, there we go. It's the most popular answer. Prince Nazim, of course. Can't go wrong with Prince, man. Could punch, could box, could do it all. Flashy. <laughs> and the whole package. 
He really did, man. Everyone loves Prince. And just finally, before we let you go, Troy, um, if you've got any closing words to the listeners here in the UK, obviously it's been fantastic having a few minutes with you. Um, I think a lot of people already are aware of who you are. But um, if you want to close out with a message just to those listeners, particularly here in the UK, take it away, my man. And please remember to give us your social media handles as well. Okay, uh... Hey guys, Troy the Transformer, as we speaking. Uh, I know it's been a it's been a quiet uh, twenty twenty one. I mean twenty twenty three so far. So you know I couldn't couldn't find. I didn't see a lot of cars that was that was that was like good to get on. So uh, I I've been quiet, but you know I'll be back April eighth, and you definitely gonna see a new Transformer, probably the best Transformer you ever gonna see uh, coming April eighth, and then uh, also. Uh, if you want to follow me uh, on Twitter, go Transformer. Uh, on Instagram, Boxboy Troy One, and Facebook, Troy Asley. There we go. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Definitely follow the journey, guys. Listen, Troy, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for your time. Best of luck, April eighth, and we'll speak sometime afterwards. I'm sure. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. Um, It's very unfortunate news, actually. It's that Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, that rematch which was set for, um, I believe it was May 20th in Dublin, that one has been postponed um, or cancelled at least. Amanda Serrano... Um, has has suffered an injury. Um, it's kind of come out of nowhere, which was a little bit weird. I think she was quite active on, you know, on Twitter during Jake Paul's fight with Tommy Fury. But out of nowhere, this week the fight is off. Um, doesn't actually say what the injury was, which is a bit weird as well. But anyways, all the best there to Amanda Serrano. Hopefully, we see the rematch rescheduled. And in other news, it's another. Uh, piece of news that involves a female it's just that this time we're going to see Sandy Ryan getting in there with Marie Pierre Houle who I'm guessing is probably from France Uh, that one is for the vacant WBO welterweight world title it's going to be on the undercard of Joe Cordina against Rakimov so again the date for that is April 22nd, so unbelievable. They're really rushing Sandy Ryan into a world title there at welterweight. Um, just thinking about it now, actually, um, I'm I'm guessing that that must mean that Jessica McCaskill must have vacated one of her welterweight titles, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, it would appear... It would appear as though that is the case, because the, the belt is vacant, so she must no longer be undisputed i didn't know that wow that's news to me anyways all the best there to sandy ryan moving on now to the preview part of the show this has been the part of the show that i've been looking forward to the most throughout uh, this show and it's because there's a lot of very very weird fights taking place and this one is where we're going to start and it's a weird one it takes place at the karen demirchian sports complex in armenia or armenia i should say um over here, former cruiserweight world champion Murat Gassiev returns to the ring. Um, it's always great to see him fight. Um, he gets in with the undefeated 20-0 with 16 KOs, Mike Balogun, who is from the States, from, uh, I think, Maryland, if I'm not mistaken, but a six foot one southpaw, 39 years of age, um, you know, obviously undefeated, like I say. He was one of the guys... Um, I say one of the guys. He was the guy that um, beat Trey Lippe. That's the son of Tommy Morrison. He actually knocked him out, took his O back in 2021. Um, so I remember that fight at the time. He's, he's quite a you know heavy set guy, Mike Balogun. He gets in with, like I say, Murat Gassiev, who has been just terribly inactive. Like it's, it's just a joke at this point. Obviously, former cruiserweight world champion, like I say, moved up to heavyweight, and he's literally done since that. Since that Usyk loss that that he suffered back in um, July 2018, he has literally done, um, I believe it's about six rounds of boxing. So that is just insane. And it's just, it's good to see him back. But again, we just don't know what he's got left. And um, once again, I think I've said it before, he is a guy who is still extremely young. If you look at his... um, 
you know his age he's he's listed as being 29 years of age but he's another guy who looks way older than 20 than 29 so um not not entirely sure what what the case is with Gassiev but again good to see him back um but yeah it could be interesting because like I say this guy here that he's stepping in with he's got a few um early knockouts in a row I think he's in some really good form like I say undefeated obviously knocked out um Tommy Morrison's son and um yeah not not a bad fighter at all I think he's got like a uh background in um, American football I believe it could have been a um a linebacker or something like that. Uh, I think I could be possibly making some of this up, but anyways, whatever. Um, he's in good form. Like I say, he hasn't gone. He hasn't gone over two rounds in his last one, two, three, four, five, six fights. They've all been knockouts for him within one and two rounds. So it could be quite explosive. And like I say, Gassiev has done six rounds in the last four and a half years since losing to Usyk. Wow. Could be interesting. Could be spicy. Okay, that's it for that card, though. Um, that's it for Armenia. Moving now to this one. It's another weird one. It takes place at the, at the. Ruhr Congress in Bochum, Nordhain, Westfalen, Germany. Again, not too sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Probably not. But over here, we're going to see Ajit Kabayel, another really frustrating heavyweight who just hasn't got things going. I remember him beating uh, Derek Chisora in Monaco. That's got to be about... Five years ago or something, he beat Derek Chisora, completely didn't capitalize from there, ended up fighting Kevin Johnson and just completely took a few steps back. But anyway, this could be quite interesting. He gets in with Agron Scam... Um Agron Smakichi, who's 19-1 and with 17 KOs, so he can certainly crack. The one loss he suffered was to Zan Kosobutsky, who has knocked out everyone he's faced, if I'm not mistaken, apart from, mm, might have been one or two. But, um, yeah, he's a, he's a decent fighter, this guy, um, uh, you'd believe. But he gets in with Ajit Kabayel, who just, like I say, needs to get things moving. He's another guy who's just... Still young, but he's only getting older and older, and I just don't understand what's going on. I don't know if he's got a good promoter behind him or what, but I actually think he's quite talented, but they just haven't been able to push on since beating Chisora. Um, this one then, moving out to this one, coming back to the UK at the Newcastle Arena in, in Newcastle. It's going to be... Do you know what? I'm not entirely sure. I should probably know this, but I'm not entirely sure if it's going to be even televised because it's Phil Jeffries, who's the promoter of the show, obviously doesn't have a TV deal. If he's putting this show on without a TV station you know, backing it, then I'm really confused as to how he's going to come up with the purses because there's some serious fights here. It's surely got to be televised somewhere. But I should have done my homework and had a little look but I haven't done and um it is what it is really but anyway moving on to it three really good fights I think on the card we're going to see Lee McGregor back out in action um his record at the moment 11 and 0 with that one draw that he has um he hasn't boxed since that draw that draw was by the way to Diego Ruiz the guy that just beat Gamal Yafai the other week so obviously a decent fighter that was his only minor blemish and that draw was over 10 rounds back in February of last year so he's coming off 13 months inactivity he gets in with Alexis Cabor who's a very very tough fighter from Burkina Faso 29 and 7 only been stopped the one time and that one was back on his debut in 2004, so almost 20 years without being stopped. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if Lee McGregor can get him out because he usually, um, you know, bangs people out. But like I say, he's coming off inactivity, possibly the longest layoff of his career. And um, yeah, this guy, Alexis Caboy, he's been to the UK a few times. I'm sure he's not going to be, you know, um, out of his comfort zone, so to speak. He's been the distance with some great fighters. Ray Vargas, obviously friend of the show, Archie Sharp, uh, Thomas Patrick Ward, and a few other guys. Very, very, very durable, tough guy. Um, Going to be interesting to see the price, actually, on McGregor points there. Because, yeah, if he gets him out, it's a bit of a statement. But the bookies might, might expect him to. So it'd be interesting if there's a good price for him to win that on points. Um, elsewhere on the card, we just mentioned his name, Thomas Patrick Ward. He gets in with Otterbeck Kolmatov 
who's 10 and 0 this this Uzbek fighter 10 and 0 with 9 KOs I'll be honest I haven't seen a single second of him in the past but he steps up here uh, to take on Thomas Patrick Ward. I think it may be some kind of eliminator, if I'm not mistaken. You look for his record. Hasn't really boxed any fantastic fighters. Uh, I can say the same for about... Uh, I can say the same for um, Thomas Patrick Ward as well, really. I've, I've criticised his record on many occasions. But, yeah, this this Uzbek, you know... Um, I, you know, I imagine he had quite an extensive amateur career. I've had a little look at some of the guys he fought in the amateurs. I didn't really recognise any names, but... Last time out, he beat um, Andronic Gregorian, who I don't think is a bad fighter. You know, beat him. Um, uh, that was in that was just under a year ago now. Um, he's boxed Juan Carlos Pena as well, who you know isn't that great to be honest with you either. Um, but yeah, went the distance with Gregorian. It's just I don't know. He's he's a big favourite here as well. He's a big favourite, the big punch in Uzbek, based in Hollywood, Florida. But obviously, Thomas Thomas Patrick Wald undefeated as well, thirty three and on the cusp, you'd imagine, of a world title fight. He's got one draw, I should mention as well. He just seems like he's been in, been treading water for ages. I don't know what the plan is with him. It's been so frustrating. He's got bags and bags of talent, and then obviously he keeps having these gimme fights. I don't understand what the point is behind it never had a good promoter still only 28 years of age and then he has close fights with people like Thomas Isomba and it's like what is going on just give this guy a world title shot you know before it's too late because he's putting miles on the clock for absolutely no reason I just don't understand it I really don't but anyways all the best to Thomas Patrick Ward obviously he's based I think in County Durham so he will be fighting here pretty much as the home well, obviously as the home fighter he's fighting in Uzbek but not far from his house he'll be boxing here in Newcastle so you'd imagine he's going to have a home crowd you'd, you'd imagine if it goes to points he could win but he's a three to one underdog so um yeah, be interesting that one there because they're expecting him to lose for the first time in his thirty, uh, in his thirty odd fight career. So uh, all the best to him. But um, yeah, I might put something small on him to win the fight on points because I think that's that's very possible and that price is quite tempting. Um, and the main event again, it's a real cracker of a main event. Lewis Ritson gets in with O'Hara Davies, and it's and it's over twelve rounds here as well. No belt on the line. Lewis Ritson twenty three and two. Uh, coming off that win last time out against Dejan Zlatichinin. I'm going to be honest, I can't even really remember that fight. But it went the distance. Uh, it was just under a year ago. O'Hara Davies in the other corner, 24-2. and two, um, Coming off a knockout win last time uh, against a guy I hadn't heard of. Um, you know, O'Hara Davies gets overlooked, I think, a hell of a lot, and for whatever reason, people don't rate him, and I've never been one of those guys, I, I think people get, you know, they, they they let the hate for the guy get in the way of, you know, what they think about his actual boxing, and he's he's big, he's strong, you know, long, really super long arms, good jab, um, he can punch as well, I think there's a lot of things that work in his favour here, I think he's probably more suited to the weight, which will be 140, um, yeah, Lewis Ritson's never really had me sold on him as a proper good 140 fighter, obviously, the, the, the funny thing about this fight is that both men were, um, were, were victorious against Miguel Vasquez, but both men clearly lost the fight to Vasquez, but both men got gift decisions, um, you know, we spoke about this man earlier on in the show as well, Jeremias Ponce. He uh, knocked out Ritson in his only stoppage loss, which was back in uh, June 2021. The other loss came to Francesco Patera. Um, and, and O'Hara Davies, I mean, his two losses, you really can't take any shame from them. I mean, he lost to Josh Taylor and he lost to Jack Catterall. So there's no shame in them at all. Um, so yeah, I actually think O'Hara Davies is quite a big favourite here. I think it will. Oh, it's a tough one. I really like the fight. I think it's as close as a fifty-fifty as you pretty much can can produce. But I'd say I, I probably favour O'Hara Davies. I think probably for points if I was pushed but I wouldn't be too surprised to see a stoppage but I don't really give Ritson much of a chance I don't think he stops O'Hara no way and could he get a decision if it's close you know being at home possibly but um yeah I if I was pushed I'd probably go O'Hara Davies points then probably knock out uh 
then Ritson points. I don't think Ritson knocks him out, which is mad to say because you you consider what he did to the domestic level at lightweight. He was he was just unbelievable. But yeah, doesn't seem the same fighter up at 140. But no, should be a really decent show there. And like I say, I'm hoping it is televised. It probably is, but I've completely missed it. And now moving to the final card to mention. It takes place at the Toyota Arena in in Ontario, California, USA. It's going to be live on Showtime. Um, let's start with the undercard. I heard that... Terrell Gaucher was supposed to be on the undercard, but it looks like he's been pulled off at the last minute, which is a real shame. Um, it was good to have him on the card. I think I think he's been pulled off, but yeah, it looked like he was on there a few days ago. Now I can't see it, and I was looking forward to seeing him return after losing his last fight to Tim Su, and you know he dropped Tim Su obviously, and even though he lost, it was a good showing and. Yeah, I wanted to see him bounce back on this undercard, but it looks like he's not on the card. But the fights that we do have, we're going to see a return to the ring for former Unified World Champion Jarrett Hurd, 24-2 and again. A guy that just seems like he's been so inactive recently, and it's because he has been quite inactive. He's almost having two years out the ring, you know, here before he returns. His, his last fight was a loss to Luis Arias. I remember betting on that fight, and I thought that... Jarrett Hurd would win it quite comfortably, but he was he was terrible that night actually. And to think we haven't seen him for two years, he now steps in with thirteen and one Jose Resendiz, who's got nine KOs. His one loss came to Marcos Hernandez back in September 2021. But other than that, I don't know too much about the guy. But you just expect Hurd maybe to just have a bit too much, just with the experience and stuff. But I think there's a lot of question marks really about what he's got left in the tank, unfortunately. Um, hasn't really looked the same since losing to Julian Williams. And that was a few years ago now. Like I say, he's been so, so, so inactive. Um, so yeah, that, that'd be interesting there. Um, what else do we have? We have a good fight here between two guys. We've got Amilcar Vidal, who's 16-0 with 12 KOs. He gets in with Elijah Garcia, who's 13-0, 11 KOs. So both men can bang. Uh, both guys, you know, undefeated, like I say. Both guys, um... Well, relatively young. We've got Vidal, 27. I say relatively young, younger than me at least. Um, and also Elijah Garcia, only 19 years of age. I'm not sure who the favourite is, but I'm expecting possibly a knockout there. Because like I say, both men can bang. Um, Elijah Garcia, I think, may be the guy who's kind of put in to win. It's over 10 rounds. He's a southpaw um, middleweight fighter. Um, yeah, but... I've noticed that Amil Carvidal is with Samson Lukowicz, so that's interesting there. But anyway, I, you know, both guys deserve a mention. And then the main event, again, I think it, it, it's a really, really good fight. Could end up being potentially, I don't want to say fight of the year, but maybe on the shortlist, because I really like both guys' styles, and I think it's going to gel really well. We're going to see Brandon Figueroa, 23-1 and with a draw. He gets in with Mark Magseo, 24-1. and It's for the interim WBC World Featherweight title. Um, yeah, I mean, this was the move up to Featherweight for, uh, for, for, for Figueroa uh, that we expected after the last one. You know, he... He obviously, you know, lost that very close fight to Stephen Fortinetti, moved up to featherweight, you know, a move that we all saw coming. He was he was massive for the weight and, and big even for this weight. But in his first fight of the weight, he boxed Carlos Castro, who again was really a super bantam coming up. So he eased into the weight really, really uh I guess slowly, if you like, or carefully, whatever you want to say. He gets in with Mark Magseo, who, you know, captured everyone's imagination when he had a fight of the year contender with Julio Seja, which was an unbelievable fight back in 2021. Then, of course, he upset the, the apple cart massively, a real huge upset last year when he was able to dethrone uh, Gary Russell Jr., take his WBC featherweight world title, but then lost it in his first offense to Ray Vargas, has box since then that was six months ago now um but eddie i'm sure you've seen a little bit of mark magseo and i'm sure you remember the excitement that brandon figueroa brings every time um it's the last fight that we're previewing but it should be a good one there on showtime 
Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a hell of a fight, Joe. I'm looking forward to it. Both guys bring uh, a great deal of excitement, both action fighters. Uh, one's, uh, you know, uh, upset the apple cart big time with, with uh, Gary Russell. The other almost did that with uh, with Stephen Fulton, although, uh, you know, it's, it, it's the way things go with boxing. But I'm um, looking forward to his excellent fight. Uh, two high, like I said, two high-level guys. Um, can't say, what more can you say? Just can't wait till it goes on. Yeah, not long to wait now. Um, I love watching Brandon Figueroa fight. It's, it's, I don't think it's for everyone because obviously it's not the most um, prettiest on the eye if you're looking at you know being hit. Well, sorry, hitting and not being hit, I should say. But um, yeah, love watching him fight. I think in that Fulton fight you touched on as well, I'm pretty sure he threw about a thousand punches himself. So um, he he's you know he brings the volume. Um, you know, he's up at featherweight, a weight which he feels he's, you know, a, a lot stronger at, which is a scary prospect. And to see him in with Magseo, who again likes to, you know, bring the heat, bring the volume, um, wasn't very impressive last time out against Ray Vargas. And I think for me, that's kind of what's made me feel like Brandon Figueroa will probably win, even though both guys are friends of the show. I wish them both the best. Um, but yeah, I think Figueroa. Uh, will probably win. I'm not sure if he gets a stoppage. Uh, may may beat him on points, but again, I think there's going to be serious amount of punches thrown. It's going to be all action as it always is in Brandon Figueroa's fights. And yeah, I think the styles are going to gel. Like I say, Magseo will bring the heat as well, and it's going to be really fun while it lasts. So I cannot wait. I think it's a fantastic main event, and we are kind of being spoiled for these fantastic fights we keep getting almost every weekend we're only early in the year and we've already had a few on the short list for fight of the year i think this could be one of them so do not miss it it's going to be fantastic but that wraps up the preview part of the show in part one we did the review part we welcomed our special guest the undefeated troy isley then then in uh, part two we did the news and we've just finished the preview part the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 385 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge shout-out to this week's special guest, the undefeated 2020 Olympian, uh, Mr. Troy Isley. It was great having him on. It's great to connect with another prospect who I believe will go on to big, big things in the very near future. Don't think he wants to waste any time. I like his attitude that he wants to fight guys with winning records every single time. Um, but yeah, the biggest thanks of all goes out to you guys for listening once again. It's the, it's the biggest thanks of all every single week and we mean that from the bottom of our hearts. If you do have a spare two minutes or so, please leave us a review on iTunes. Remember to also visit manscaped.com and use the promo code boxhard for 20% off plus free shipping but that's about everything from myself enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week